Those teams in the middle that we're talking about not being good enough to make the tournament, usually there's one or two where you're like, I know this team's good. I, they, they, they just keep making the wrong plays at the wrong times. They, they play poorly at, the, at the, the least opportune moment for them. This year with all these teams, I watch them and I'm just like, they're just not good. Like, like there's just, there's no way around it. Besides maybe Virginia, I just, there's no team in the middle of the conference that I'm like, if they get hot, look out. And Syracuse maybe is the closest to fitting that role, but I, I don't know. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow, and you too have just hit a game winner against North Carolina basketball. Um, <laughs> I'm really happy to be joined today by Mike Rutherford from Card Chronicle. Um, anywhere else you want to plug that you're from, Mike, as we get going? Um, SBNation.com. Um, yes. We have a new Card Chronicle podcast. Also, check that out. And then just... Uh, that's it, really. Uh, for, I, I, I said this last night on a different podcast, but I'm so used to plugging the radio show, and now I'm like, you know, I, I got laid off at the right time. It was a savvy veteran move to get ready for March, so we don't have that anymore, and I feel good about it. <laughs> radio, man. I've, it's like they, they always say you've never really been in radio if you haven't been, uh, like had a show canceled right. or been laid off at least once. Yeah. It, it's a pretty wild business. But yeah, I'm glad to have you on. I'm glad you're still doing stuff because uh, you really know your stuff really well. And yeah, I guess you too have hit a game winner against UNC. Congratulations. <laughs> Man, uh, last night, I mean, here, I know we're going to get into it, but when, and I tweeted this out, but I legitimately had the thought when John Mooney went up for the, the little left handed hook that would have tied the yes. game. I was like, he's going to miss this because this has to be a three in this situation. Like, the, UNC doesn't give up game tying shots unless it's Trey Jones. They're going to get the rebound. They're going to make a three. There was no doubt in my mind. That's where we've gotten to the point uh, with this phenomenon. No, literally for um, WRLSportsFan.com, I was uh, manning the editing desk from my home and I literally had written the push alert. Once they had gotten it, I think inside like three minutes, I was like, oh, it is happening. And I had already <laughs> written the alert. I was like, Carolina loses yet another double digit lead. Oh, <laughs> and God. Falls at Notre Dame. And I was like, oh, there it is at the end. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, it's, it, it's at a certain point, all you can kind of do is like laugh and make jokes or uh, swear if you're Roy. Um, I've, I've heard him say that, I think, twice now, um, ever. Oh, God. The, the f-bomb and not freaking because that's what he usually subs with but you know that this has broken him when he's dropping that at a presser uh, we had a rough night he had that and then he had the picture with muffet mcgraw that i really feel like he didn't want to take where you know muffet mcgraw did the whole like championship coaches having a rough year miss you steve kerr and i feel like roy in the back of his mind was like i really don't want to do this but there's no way for me to say no so i, I think he just had a bad night on every single level last night yes did you see steve kerr's response to no no what he say? of like the gif of him like falling down a hill uh, or like of a person falling down a hill like head over heels like hitting every rock on the way down i was oh. like yeah yeah that's about right yeah roy is not um had a super good sense of humor about this but that's kind of just who he is it's it's tough to blame him i mean this is this is this is a lot like this is you know they're not that great on top of being and it's not just unlucky. I mean, this has become a topic of conversation. Like, yes, you mm. can argue like to for the teams to actually make the comeback against them and execute, 
you know, college basketball is not that great this year. So for that to happen repeatedly does involve some element of luck, but it's not as if Carolina has not been making it easier for their opponents down the stretch too, with the turnovers and the free throws and everything else. Um, Carolina is helping um, in their own demise in these situations. Yeah, but the, the first part of that equation I think is the most interesting to me. Yeah. If you help, because I saw the stat, it has happened now 10 times where in the last 30 seconds of regulation or overtime, they've given up shots to either tie or win the game. And I think like seven of those have come in the last 10 seconds. If you could actively try to lose all those games the stats say you're going to win at least two or three of them, right? Like, like that should not happen. Yes. The, the, the law of averages says eventually the other team's not going to make the plays that they need to do to win the game. For that's, sure. That's the craziest thing to me is every time Carolina tries to give a game away, the other team says, okay, cool. Like, like we're going to start playing really well, and it just blows my mind. And I think you're right, too. Roy Williams seems to be the only person who's not kind of just embracing this. He just keeps thinking, we're a good team. We're going to get out of this. And I don't know why this keeps happening. Meanwhile, every other UNC fan in the world is like, just pile it on at this point. Like, like who cares? Like, like, let's take all the bad losses, get all the bad karma out in 2019-20, and hopefully we don't have these anymore. And I feel like Roy is just waiting for this 25-game win streak to come. That's not going to come. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It does seem like he's still waiting for that to happen. And yeah, I mean, obviously, no one should or is going to feel sorry for North Carolina fans. Um, if you want to feel sorry for anyone, you should probably just feel sorry for some of their players, like a Brandon Robinson, like this is his senior season, and he's already uh, both been hit by a drunk driver this year and uh, gotten his like came down on, on an ankle on a play that he got called for a foul and missed a couple. He missed a bunch of games. Well, not a bunch of games, but he missed some games. He had missed the beginning of the season, too. Um, and that's a good kid who's gotten better throughout his career, and it, and there'll be nothing to show for it really because this season is such a tire fire. So there's one you can feel sorry for if you'd like to. I do feel um, sorry for him. I saw him like he kind of because he took the half court shot last night and kind of had the whole head in the hands lying down on the ground, and I did feel sorry for him after the game. But um, he, like they're going to be fine long term. They're recruiting really yes. well. Cole Anthony's obviously going to be okay, and I think that if nothing else, last weekend gave us. The first time that I've ever accurately seen an entire five-month season summed up in a three-word video clip, and it was the Cole Anthony lying on the ground, first of all, looking like he had just taken a gunshot wound to the head, and, <laughs> oh then, and then saying, I always get effing hurt, man. And like like, like that three-second video, I was like, that's the whole season right there, yes. encapsulated. 2020 UNC basketball, I'm always hurt, <laughs> F. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, look, there's not much to say about them. The, the streak isn't coming and partially because, look, who they are in late games is is it, that's part of who they are at this point. Like I've been saying this and people didn't want to listen to me because of how they played against Duke for 32 minutes or whatever it was. And everyone was like, it's coming. Cole's back. It's coming. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Late game Carolina is still who this team is. And that's kind of proven to be the case. So yeah, the, the only team that didn't need her, you know, magic and heroics and late game stuff is Wake Forest. So there you go. Yeah. Go figure, right? <laughs> Wake Forest. Gross. Wow. Um, okay. So I have you on at least in part though, to talk about what's wrong with Louisville. Mm. Um, you have any Louisville now, and this is a team that I loved coming off that win at Cameron. Um, they just have so many different pieces that can hurt you. Um, love David Johnson's upside. Stephen Enoch, Jordan Wara. Jordan Wara is the one I want to get into first because obviously now Louisville's lost two straight to Georgia Tech and Clemson. Georgia Tech, in my opinion, is way, way, way better than its record, but that's a whole other mm. story. Clemson is just whatever. Clemson is Clemson's great at home and 
okay on the road sometimes and makes no sense. But Georgia Tech's one of those teams that's way better than its record. But that's not the point, really, right? Like, the point is, let's get into Wara first, I guess. That's a guy that I feel like it's one of those players that every time I watch, like, a full Louisville game, I, I don't notice as much. Is is there concern with him and the way he's playing um, right now and just overall? Or, like, where, where, are, where are Louisville people with him? Oh, they're full blown panic. Like it is, it, whatever your panic level is, it's it's off the charts. Um, I mean, he has the bad game against Georgia Tech, and I'm with you by the way. Like, I think the Georgia Tech game, they played Louisville really close to the KFCM Center about a month before the second game, and you know, War didn't play particularly well in that one either. So when Georgia Tech shuts you down for a second time, I think you just kind of say, well, it, like that's our one. That, that that's our. Everybody's had a bad loss. They're a bad matchup for us. Whatever. The Clemson game was about a million times more discouraging, and I think, uh, in turn, Jordan War's performance in that game was about a million times more discouraging. He got benched to start the game, which was... I saw that. What was up with that? Yeah, it was... I mean, he first of all, he got benched at the end of the Georgia Tech game, which was really close, just because he wasn't defending at all. It wasn't a, I'm trying to send this guy a message, or he's got fouls. It was, he's hurting us so much that we can't have him in the game at crunch time. He got subbed out with, I think, 4.30 to play and didn't re-enter the game until there were 50 seconds left. And he was out there for the last few possessions. But still, like he was, he had a really bad game against Georgia Tech. And so after the game, Chris Mack, in his post-game press conference, says, I know people have been talking about wanting changes in the starting lineup. You're going to get some shakeups. There are going to be some changes. And every Louisville fan in the world thinks that means David Johnson starting at the yep. point guard. Like that, that, We thought David Johnson starting at the point, Ryan McMahon back at the two. Everybody's talking about all these changes that are going to happen. The only one that happens is the one that nobody was talking about, which is Jordan War comes off the bench. Samuel Williamson gets the start, the freshman uh, forward at the three. And it, whatever intended purpose the benching was supposed to have, it had not that. I mean, Jordan comes into the game, immediately turns the ball over three times, plays with even less energy than he had against Georgia Tech, only makes one shot. Uh, scores five points, doesn't look engaged in the game at all. And it, it kind of felt like you left the Clemson game feeling like whatever the move that was made maybe did more harm than good because he didn't seem to be having any fun whatsoever and, and gave maybe even less effort than he gave against Georgia Tech. I mean, he's taken 11 shots in the last two games combined. Like that's, yeah. that's, and has eight turnovers and three assists in that stretch. Like he only played 24 minutes against Georgia Tech, to your point. I mean, I just, is it for offensively for him, you know, you mentioned the defense and that makes sense, but offensively for him, is there something that is there something that is going on with the offense? That's not letting him play the way that he wants to play and get comfortable all the time. Or like, is there something that y'all notice in that way? I just don't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me why he's, he's kind of struggled this way. Obviously at Duke, it made some sense. They're going to key on him. Like they talked about after the game, um, but I remember just being kind of underwhelmed with him against State, too, even in that win. And just, I, I don't know. It's just a weird thing. It, does he not fit great on this offense? Like, what is it? I think ACC teams, besides Boston College, have figured out that you've got to make him do something other than catch and shoot, um, at least to get the, the lion's share of his points. If he has a couple of catch and shoot threes, that's fine because he's got a quick release and he's got really, really good range. But if you make him dribble the ball at least twice, I mean, he's... He's a good athlete. He's not great. Like he's a, he's a good jumper. He's not really quick. His first step isn't going to beat a whole lot of good defenders. So if you can get up on him and try to make him go around you, I think you can limit his effectiveness. He gets a lot of his points outside of the offense, uh, just inside the offense. He's not really a 
let's go ISO or let's go high ball right. screen and let's have him make a play. That's not his game. And when he tries to do that more times than not, it winds up being he takes a bunch of dribbles and then ends up taking a contested step back 22 footer. And that's not really his game. And I think you've seen Georgia tech make him become that player. You've mm-hmm. seen uh, Clemson definitely make him become that player. And I also think he's in his head a lot too. Like he's heard, uh, he's gotten a lot of criticism for taking too many shots, especially when Louisville's behind in games. And I think he's very aware of that. Like he came out and was, he's been almost too passive the last three or four games because I think he's trying to, he's trying to do the whole, uh, Kobe thing where he reacts to the criticism by just not taking open shots and, and trying to say like, here, look what happens when I don't do this. And it, it's having a, a reverse effect. And I don't know w- what his deal is. Like, I think that's the million dollar question right now. I know Max said he was going to have in- individual meetings with his players. You have to assume the one with Jordan's going to be a lengthy one. And for him, it's not, if he's upset with the coaching style or upset with some chemistry issue or whatever, like, okay, you're also just destroying your NBA draft stock right now um, because I think he's gone regardless after this year, and he has gone from being in the 20 to 25 range in a lot of these mock drafts to being now an early second-round pick, and that's not going to change unless he has a really memorable march. So you know, if you don't want to do it for the team or do it for you know whatever, at least do it for yourself at this point. Yeah, I think you see some of that across the ACC. I know at least here locally, for instance, um, Markel Johnson from State is a guy that wanted to really improve his draft stock um, this year as a senior and have a big season. And he had a great season last year and he just, it hasn't been that kind of season for him this year. And you can sense that sort of weird, like going back and forth and vacillating between like, okay, I'm going to be the alpha and okay, I'm going to not be the alpha almost to prove a point, like you said, or just trying to figure things out. Like, am I the facilitator? Am I the alpha? What am I supposed to do here? It's a weird it's a weird sort of process to watch play out for some of these guys. But yeah, you can sort of see that with some of these guys that the pressure to have that kind of season can get to them or it just doesn't always manifest itself in a good way. But. I think he's also struggling a little bit. And this is just kind of maybe me playing amateur psychologist, but it definitely seems like he's struggling a little bit with the emergence of David Johnson, who is not like Fresh Kimball, Darius Perry and Ryan McMahon when they're on the rare occasion where he's making things happen off the bounce. Those are all setup guys. Like, like they're not really. I drive to create my own stuff. Uh, more times than not, it's drive and, and kick, and that's Jordan's game. Like that's that's where he gets set up. When David Johnson's out there, he's very much a drive, get to the rim, and score. Yep. And when he's in there, like he's the focal point of the offense. And it seems like Jordan kind of doesn't know what to do. And you've mm-hmm. got all these Louisville fans that are clamoring for Johnson to basically be handed the keys and to become the new alpha of the, of this team. I get it. And I think that that's I think that's absolutely having an effect on him. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I am I alone in wanting Stephen Enoch to have like a thirty percent usage percentage every game, or like what's? It's I just when I when you see him and he's like a get off the bus guy. I don't know what the wording is there. It's like one of oh, those yeah. guys you're like, oh my god, this guy should be a dominant back to the basket big, and he's played like thirty one minutes combined in the last two games, and I just I I like want him to get a post touch every time Louisville has the basketball. Yeah, I think his big issue right now, Malik Williams is coming out really strong the last yeah. couple of weeks. And he's also like Malik Williams. If there's a, if you point to a, a leader on this team, and that's been an issue as well for, for you about really from the start of the season on, he's kind of that guy. Like he, he's the one guy who's getting in people's faces. He's very vocal. Uh, he leads by example. And he's also uh, significantly better on defense than Stephen Enoch is. And oh, okay. that's the big issue with Enoch is he still, he struggles with hedging the high ball screen. He struggles with being in the right position uh, when he's just guarding a center straight up. He's a tremendous offensive player. 
And I think you're like, trust me, the Louisville fans all agree with you who are listening to this. They want Stephen not to get a billion touches a game. But the one problem with that is he's not a great passer. So when it goes in, even if he gets double teamed, he really struggles with finding the open shooter on the perimeter and kicking the ball out. So it just kind of becomes a black hole, which is fine when he when the little baby hook's working and when he's got good position. But there have been too many times the last month or so where he's just not making his shots and the ball never comes out. And when you're as good a three-point shooting team as Louisville is, you've got to have those kickouts. And I think that he and Malik Williams both struggle with that a little bit, but his minutes have gone down because Williams is so good defensively. Are you worried about them? Long term, or you think they'll get it figured out? Oh, I'm worried. I, 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 I am. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I, I'm definitely worried, I, and not like you have to talk about. We have to lay out the terms we're talking about here because it's not worried like they may lose out and you know lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament or not. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I'm waiting for the bad uh, luck to. Rem- every little fan is like, just wait till Saturday. Just, just, just wait. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Y'all um, and state fans both. I know it's it's pathetic. We've definitely taken on that mantra, but. Um, If we're talking about, I mean, 10 days ago, we were talking about Louisville potentially being the best team in the entire country and looking like, you know, one that should go to Atlanta and could win a national title. If we're speaking in those terms, then I think it's impossible not to be concerned just off of what we saw the last week and seeing it's more the body language and the chemistry and all that stuff than it is, you know, they didn't make enough shots or the defense didn't look great in either of those games. But the repeating of what we saw a year ago, I think, is what really scares Louisville fans because the seasons have been eerily similar once the calendar flipped. In 2019, Louisville won, lost its first game in January and then won out the rest of the month and then started 2-3 and three in February. This year, Louisville lost its first game of January to Florida State, won the rest of the month, oh, went 2-3 and three in February. The same day as the, uh, the Duke 23-point comeback in 2019, it was February 12th, that same day this year was the Georgia Tech game. So Louisville fans are full on thinking this February swoon is a real thing. And and at last year, the only game that UofL ended up winning in late February and March, they beat Notre Dame twice, who's the who was the worst team in the conference. They may beat North Carolina twice if they play them in the ACC tournament. So I think that that's the big thing right now is just seeing what we saw against Clemson and what we saw against Georgia Tech and then having that memory of the February collapse and the March collapse a year ago and seeing history start to repeat itself. I think Louisville fans are definitely, definitely on edge right now. But they're like all in on Chris Mack, right? Oh or- yeah, I, I think so. Okay. I mean, I, I I can't speak for everybody. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have everybody, you're going to have the occasional person out there oh, yeah. who's like, you know, fire this guy. We got to make Jay Wright say no. Like, you know, you, you got to make the least, at least make the call. Make uh, make Brad Stevens say no to this gig. <laughs> oh, the Brad Stevens thing. Yeah. It's always so cute. Yeah, it's going to happen. Uh, well, now it's John Beeline, right? Like that's going to be the new one is if you can get Beeline, do you just lose out the rest of the season? Um, but <laughs> with Mac, I think, you know, how soon we for, we forget that just a couple of years ago, every Louisville fan was worried about, you know, being irrelevant for three or four years. You, you know, you didn't know how long it was going to take. You didn't know what the NCAA was going to do. We still don't know what they're going to do with the second helping. And the fact that we've even had a season that's been like this, where Louisville's been in the top 10 for almost, you know, start to finish, um, has a good recruiting class. The only two of those guys are really playing big minutes this year. But I think the other four are going to have a good role down the line. Um you have to feel good about where we are right now. This is ahead of schedule. Whatever happens in March is going to happen. But long term, I think you have to feel like you've got the guy in Chris Mack. And if you don't, who out there do you know that would do a better job, that would take the job? And that's what you always have to think about. And I don't nope. think that there's anybody that, that comes to mind that you can say that definitively about. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm a Chris Mack stan as well. Um, and on Wednesday night, 
y'all have got Syracuse coming into town. They need a win really badly. Mm-hmm. Um, they need this kind of win, certainly, because if they have any NCAA tournament hopes left, which eh, seems a little slim to me, but they that's their only opportunity left for that like marquee feather in the cap win. I mean, their best win right now is Virginia, and it's not really close. Um, they, they've got to have that. Um, that's the only one left. And then they probably have to, if not win out, get close to it, I would assume, right, with Syracuse? Yeah, no, 100%. And if you're, like, Louisville fans are concerned about it because last year during this February swoon, the worst they looked, everybody remembers the Duke game, but the worst game they played overall was against Syracuse. They just could not figure out the zone. They looked totally flustered for 40 minutes, and they lost by 20. I think the final score was, uh, was 69-49. And so you're taking the team that, made you look your worst last year and you're playing them at the moment where you've been playing your worst. It seems like a terrible recipe and you're right. They're a desperate team. They've been playing better too. They had a real good chance to beat Florida state over the weekend. Joe Girard is just loads of fun. I mean, so much fun to watch. Like I, and Elijah Hughes is back and he's playing well now too. So like they're a dangerous team coming into your building if you don't play them well. And they're the one team in the middle of the conference. I don't know how you feel about it, but the weirdest thing about the ACC this year is those teams in the middle that we're talking about not being good enough to make the tournament. Usually there's one or two where you're like, I know this team's good. I, they, they, they just keep making the wrong plays at the wrong times. They, they play poorly at, the, at the, the least opportune moment for them. This year with all these teams, I watch them and I'm just like, they're just not good. Like, like there's, just, there's no way around it. Besides maybe Virginia, I just there's no team in the middle of the conference that I'm like, if they get hot, Look out. And Syracuse maybe is the closest to fitting that role, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. I'm, Caroline and Darnie and I have been talking about this, and it, I think that there's the weird thing about the ACC this year is in some ways it is better because, like, the middle, there's no like horrible, horrible dumpster fire team right now. Right. But then there's just a bunch of teams that are like, okay. And could beat each other or lose to each other on any given night and could potentially upset, you know, a contender, right? But there's nobody that's like dumpster fire bad, really, um, at least in terms of when you watch them play. I mean, Miami is the closest, right? But they, mm-hmm. even they've been banged up. So, you know, I, and Boston College is close at times, but then they've beaten good teams. So it's like, okay, I don't know. You know, I mean, everybody is just sort of floating out there in this like weird ether of meh. Um, Georgia Tech would be the closest one to a team that I think like actually could be decent, but they but their record is so bad that they don't have a chance to get hot and do anything. So no, I, I 100% agree on Tech because I would love to see a season where first of all Jose Alvarado doesn't miss 12 games, yeah, and second they're not dealing with any of the postseason stuff because I do think I mean it, at the beginning of the year they were all under the understanding that they weren't going to be able to play in the conference tournament they weren't going to be eligible for the NCAA tournament and that, that still may wind up being the case but when you when you start a year with that it's hard to be motivated especially when it happens like I mean that happened right before practice started you've got seniors that are ready for their last run at this that are trying to make the tournament and they're hit with the whole like you're not going to be able to play even in the conference tournament that has to take a, a mental toll on you and I'd like, like this tech rock they got four really really good players and they should be better than they are. There's no question yes. about it. But like the other teams that you just mentioned, like I just I don't see it. Like I don't think there's a world where they can be, you know, a seven, eight, nine seed that wins two or three games in the tournament. I just don't see it with any of these teams besides maybe Virginia, just because they're so good defensively. I also agree the bottom of the conference, like this year's Wake Forest team, this year's Miami, this year's North Carolina. 
they would destroy the terrible Wake Forest teams we've seen in recent years, the 0-18 Boston College team. The bottom is definitely stronger. It's just that 5 through 12 range is, I think, significantly more meh than it has been the last, at least the last four years since Louisville's been in the conference. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Um, I And I would argue the Big Ten is not that different to me. Like, for me, when I look at teams like 30 through, I don't know, 100 in Ken Palm, I'm just like, sure. You know, those all those those are all teams that exist and look varying degrees of competent at times. But I don't know that I would be 100% certain that team 100 and something would lose to team 30 something. You mm. know what I mean? Like, I just it's a weird year. Um, where I don't think there's quite as much separation as we usually see in terms of that general range of teams. But no, I I look at all those teams. And first of all, I'm like, I think that all of you suck. But which one of you is going to make me look really dumb in March? Because there's going to be one team in that range that does the the, the seven seed South Carolina thing from a few years ago. Oh, yeah. They show zero signs of life. There's no reason to believe in them. There's no reason to see them being a second weekend team. And then they win three or four games and, and go to a regional final or go to a final four. I mean, one of those teams that you look at, that's like number 37 on Ken Palm, that you feel like is a bad, bad basketball team is going to make you look so dumb. And every time I'm pouring through those rankings, I'm just like, which one of you is the SOB? Like, which, which one of you is going to do this to me? And it's going to be one of them. <laughs> I'm going I'm to just like ceremoniously set my bracket on fire instead of fill it out. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Why just, not? Why bother? Um, I guess we could mention that Tuesday night Pitt and Florida State in the revenge game for Florida State and Pitt doing its, much to Jeff Capel's chagrin, who sort of called this, doing its little, he's worried they're going to go into their little swoon that they did last year. And that does seem to kind of be the case right now um, in terms of the way that they've been playing. And it's not going to be easy for them at all uh, to end this year. And you know they're obviously not making the tournament, but you'd certainly like to see them see a, to have a stronger end of the year than they're having right now. But I mean, you know, it is what it is. They're going to be playing a Florida State team that's probably going to be really eager to beat them and get revenge for that bad loss. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see things turning around for them anytime soon. The weird thing though about this game is we talk about Florida State wanting revenge. Like, do these guys even remember that game? It was it was opening night. It's been so long. Good point. With the new conference schedule, you play. Like, I've kind of forgotten. We were talking about Miami just now, and I'd totally forgotten that Louisville played them on opening night until like you go back and look at the schedule, and it feels like a lifetime ago. But with Pitt. The weird thing about them the last, I guess, three or four weeks is when they lose, they don't mess around. Like They, they look really good, but when they lose, they're not there at all. Uh, they, they weren't there. I mean, they're the only team that seemed to can't figure out Virginia Tech right now. Clemson beat them pretty handily. Um, they looked bad against Notre Dame when they lost that game. They just, I don't, I don't know. And, and maybe like we were talking about with Louisville, it feels like there's a little bit of history repeating itself. It hasn't been as bad in late January and February as it was a year ago, but eventually they're going to have to get some form of, of just you know consistency. And I don't think it's going to happen against FSU because FSU plays the way that Pitt wants to play and they do it with better players, which is why that season yeah. opening loss never really made sense to me once the data started piling up. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And yeah, I can barely remember what happened in week one myself. So I, I agree. And I like Florida State a lot. I still think they're like one offensive player kind of turning the corner away from being really, really good. Mm. But that ha- they still, I mean, you know, Leonard Hamilton said it after the Duke game. They're, they're still not as good as they're going to be. And I, I think he's right about that. That's a team for me and watch them prove me wrong in faceplant. But that's a team for me that you don't want to play. 
um, in the NCAA tournament for sure. So. The only thing with Florida State is I feel like when they have these types of teams, like they did, I think it was 2011 when they were a two seed coming out of the Big East. Whenever they have these types of teams that everybody's like, you know what? I think they could be a Final Four team. That's when they go out in the first weekend. When they have teams, like even the last couple of years, there was a whole that narrative around Leonard Hamilton. Like, you know, he always loses before the Sweet 16. These teams always peak too early. And they went to a regional final and they went to the Sweet 16. And it could have easily gone to a Final Four in either one of those years. But it surprised people. It wouldn't surprise people in this season. So that's why I'm a little... It's the, it, uh, trust me, there's no basis in reality when I talk about stuff in these terms. But that's no, just kind right, of the way I look at them. But it, it, speaking of, because I totally agree with you that it feels like they're one guy kind of making that turn from being a legit national title threat. I think it has to be Patrick Williams. Because I think yes. he, he's the big... I think Devin Vassell's their best player. But I think Williams is the biggest NBA talent. And him scoring, I, I think it was 17 against Syracuse over the weekend, felt like that moment. And I wonder if... Vassell being suspended for that one game where he had to step into a, a more elevated offensive role winds up being a really good thing for Florida State long term. Yeah, I could see that. And he's really come into his own lately. I thought Malik Osborne also played really well, at least against Duke. Um, he was impressive to me in that game. And uh, yeah, they just they just need like one and a half more guys and, and they could be dangerous. But totally. they, they're, st- they're still going to defend their butts off. So that's tonight. And I'm sure millions will, will watch. And by millions, I do not mean... <laughs> Even one million. Um, <laughs> let's see. We, we already touched on Syracuse, Louisville. That's at seven on Wednesday. Also at seven. Oh God, Georgia Tech at Wake. Like Georgia Tech, I've talked. Uh, this is what's going to happen now. Also, no basis in reality. I'm talking up Georgia Tech, and they're going to go face plan at Wake. Yeah, this this has serious um, ACC tournament Tuesday vibes, which I like. Oh, yeah. I feel like this is kind of like marathon training, getting ready for March. <laughs> I'm pretty pumped about this. I'm going to act like it's, you know, 2 p.m. on a Tuesday and, and we got the kids screaming. I'm just going to be excited about this. Um, but w- have they played already? I feel like they did and the result was weird, but I could be totally misremembering that. Maybe I'm thinking of Pitway. Um, um, but no, I don't think so. But this I'm is not, uh, not seeing it. When you look at it, like Georgia Tech is better than Wake. They should win this game. Uh, they should beat Wake fairly handily, which means Wake's definitely going to win. No question in my mind. Yes, even though like, and everybody keeps making the Danny Manning jokes, even after the UNC game. And I was like, I assure you, this is not, this has no bearing on what's going to happen with Danny Manning, especially, and I'm seeing this crop up a lot too, even among some of my wake people is like, oh, John Beeline's going to be available. Like, maybe they have more money than people think, um, as evidenced by how much they've thrown at Danny Manning (laughs) inexplicably with that contract. Um, And maybe that's a situation where they sort of rally the troops and, and, throw some money at John Beeline and see if he'd be interested. I think it's more likely that they throw money at the guy that John Beeline is replacing. Uh, I'm calling it right now. Beeline to Texas. He's going to relink up with uh, Luke Yoklich and then Shaka Smart to Wake. It's happening. Ooh, interesting. It's happening. Mark it down. I wouldn't hate it. ACC, I wouldn't hate it. ACC podcast, February 18th. Mark this down. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I know, I know Wes Miller is obviously another candidate they've always had their eye on, but that's complicated for several reasons. Sure. Um, you know, the fact that he played at UNC, but his dad's a big wake booster and, um, you know, he grew up around that program. So if anybody understands what that job is, it's Wes. Um, you know, and I think he's a really good young coach. I do. Um, but, I don't know if that's the job you want to take as your next job after UNCG. Yeah, do um, you want to hire a guy who's going to be really good for two or three years and then leave you for North Carolina? That's oh. <laughs> that's that'd be oh a bad, it's a bad look. 
<laughs> there is that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The next, uh, the heir apparent. Um, God, I, I don't know if I'm ready to live in a world where a guy that I covered um, is a head basketball coach at one of the teams I cover. It's just a weird place to be. Welcome to me with the David Padgett year here in Louisville. Because, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, he's, He's basically my age, but I think I'm actually like three years older than him. And I thought I had a solid 15, 20 years before I got to the point where I was older than the Louisville basketball head coach. And to see it actually happen when I was, I guess, 33, 32, it was staggering. It hit you a little bit. And, I, and I'm going back and reading posts that I wrote about when he was actually playing. And he was the Card Chronicle person of the year in 2008. And it, you know, I felt like I aged about 15 years in that one 12-month period for a variety of reasons. But that was definitely one of them. Oh, God bless David Padgett. Love him. I know. Great dude. He's the um, best. Yeah, so that's literally all that needs to be said about Georgia Tech at Wake. Um, 8 o'clock, ACC Network, Boston College at Virginia. Oh, gross. No. <laughs> Not watching a second of that basketball game for several reasons, but mostly because I won't be in front of a television, but no. Oh, God, no. No. Um, that's going to be hideous because look, Boston College is not good offensively in spite of what they've shown at times. And Virginia is going to make this look even worse for them, honestly, I think. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. And Boston College knows how to ugly it up too when they need to. So, like, just this is not going to be easy on the eyeballs. I'm not. I'm not doing it. I think um, my favorite thing right now with, with uh, the ACC is the fact that Louisville and Virginia cannot score against anybody but each other. After playing, you know, what, 10 straight games where it was like Virginia 55, Louisville 16. Uh, you know, they, they score 80 and 73 respectively. Virginia can't miss from three against Louisville. Louisville, which now can't throw the ball in the ocean, um, goes, you know, nine of 22 from three against them and hangs 80 on them. And both teams have really struggled offensively since then. I mean, Virginia probably should have lost to Notre Dame and North Carolina, but they're just kind of hanging on. I expect a similar effort in this one. I mean, BC is going to put the the fear of God into them. There's no there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not going to. The thing is, they're not going to blow anybody out. That's just not who they are. Because I remember, um, even some of my you know my North Carolina people were just like, oh God, uh, like even my mom was like, I hope they take it easy on us. And I'm like, Mom, they don't blow anybody out, so you're fine. <laughs> like, and she's like, Oh, so we'll just lose another close one. And she was kidding. And oh boy, um, yeah. <laughs> are we like how confident are we that Virginia is going to make the tournament? Because this last stretch, I mean, I am, I, I am too. But then I look at it and like pit away after BC feels like a really, really important and really dangerous game. They play Duke at home. They got to go to Virginia Tech. Louisville comes there. Like those are all like they should beat Miami on the road. They should win this game against BC. The other four kind of feel like very mm-hmm. toss uppy type games, and their net ranking still is not great. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I have a hard time. I trust them more than most for once. Um, I trust them more than any of those other teams that are right there. Um, So I kind of, I still kind of like them at Pitt. And especially if Pitt enters, you know, keeps going down this little free fall that they're in. Yeah, and actually at Virginia Tech might end up being trickier than, Mm. you know, one of those games might end up to be a little bit tricky. They're not going to get dinged too much for losing, you know, if they lose to Duke. Um if they can get one of Duke or Louisville, I like their chances, even if they drop one of those others. Um, I know their net ranking is still not great, but I just, I don't know. It's just really tough for me to imagine um, 
they're not going to just let three teams in. Like, I know this has been a topic of conversation. That's not going to happen. I really just don't believe that's going to happen. Like, we'll see when we get there, right? But I just don't see the committee sitting down and being like, yeah, we're going to let like 12 Big Ten teams in and no one else from the ACC, you know, like just those three. I just don't see that happening. And so if I have to pick the fourth, it's going to be them for me right now, you know? No, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. And, and I trust them more than those other teams, like you said, which is saying nothing. Because like, like, I trust those other teams not one bit. Um, the one, one thing I'll say for Virginia is that, it, and except for the Notre Dame game, obviously, but like even before Louisville, they were sort of starting to find their three-point stroke, which is, of course, very relative for them because they're still not a great shooting team. But they are starting to kind of find that. And they were nine of 21, I think, against Carolina on threes. And, you know, if they and they've, they're getting guys besides Wool to 10 side to make them. And that's also big, I think, for them. Um, and they just defend so well that they always they already give themselves a chance there. And if they could just make some shots, you know, and not turn it over, both of which they've done a better job of, um, they make life way easier on themselves. So that's why I'm starting to be a little more optimistic um, because the way their offense was before, they could absolutely lose to anybody because as well as they were defending, their offense was just not great. But they're turning, they're like going from tire fire to like, I don't know. I don't know what the next step up from tire fire is on offense. Like contained flame. Um, like trash can fire. I, I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. That's, that's probably about right. Like warm trash can fire that serves a purpose at a bad time. Like, there you go. Like that's, <laughs> that, that, that's what Virginia basketball is right now. And I yeah. guess the important thing, and I, I guess I'll remind myself since I just used the net ranking argument, having a bad net ranking doesn't matter as much as having a bad RPI used to used to like it, it's no, it's all about like, the net ranking is a grouping tool. It, they don't just rank straight one to sixty eight based on where you are in the net. They only use that for who you've defeated. So, I, we used to always talk about you know the lowest rated RPI team to make to get in that large bid was forty eight or whatever, and like nobody over fifty with the RPI uh, ever got into the field. Like last year, I think that there were two teams with a sub fifty six net ranking that got at large bid. So the The landscape has definitely shifted, and just because Virginia is fifty six right now in the net and probably isn't going to go up all that much over the next right. uh, three weeks, it's not necessarily damning for their at large bid chances. Yeah, I mean, don't for, I forget what state's net was, but it was definitely like high enough to get in. It's not the be all end all. They look at sort of everything in right. context when it comes to that, um, and that'll get us actually to Duke at State, which is a very intriguing game for us around here because Duke, for whatever reason, State can't beat Carolina like ever, ever. Um, but they can beat Duke. Like they have this weird propensity, especially at PNC Arena. In fact, mostly at PNC Arena of being able to sort of rise up and, and upset Duke. And, you know, it, it's a weird phenomenon that they just can't beat UNC, but they can manage to put it together and beat Duke. Now, to be fair, those games have usually come a little earlier in the year when Duke's kind of still figuring things out. But this is one that State really, 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 really needs to have. And that's there are probably no more terrifying words in the English language for NC State fans than those. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, when, when I saw this on, I mean, this feels like a game that NC State wins it, it just because they always do. And if they don't, they've got no shot at beating um, Duke in the return game. They've got no shot at beating Florida State on Saturday. But that's the one thing that State has going for it that I don't think, like Virginia plays Duke and Louisville still, but like NC State's going to have three quad one opportunities in its last six games which give, given right. the current state of the ACC is kind of mind-blowing because there are only you know three teams that give you that opportunity if you're playing them at home and only a few that give you that opportunity if you're playing them on the road. So, I mean, if State doesn't make the tournament this year, 
it's not going to be for lack of chances. It's not going to be because when you're supposed to be playing your best basketball, you didn't get shots at the big dogs. And I mean, the Boston College loss was, it, I guess, Sunday. Uh, really, really yeah. hurt. They, and I know that the officiating down the stretch was abysmal, but you've got to find a way to win that game. And that's the one thing that kind of holds me back from saying they're definitely going to beat Duke. Because when I watched them on Sunday, they were the team that I'm thinking of when I say, like, these teams just aren't that good. And I keep wanting NC State to be better than it is, and it never gives you that that, that one piece of evidence that you need to get over the hump. So I would not yeah. be shocked at all if they beat Duke. But at the same time, like, it would take an effort that we have not seen from them over the last four weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved their win at Syracuse. I loved their win at Virginia. And – you know, I've I've loved some of their performances that where they I feel like they had to gut some things out, like at like at home against Clemson, even at home against Notre Dame, the win over Wisconsin has turned out to be a really good one for them. You know, even the win at Wake or like back in December where they you know they got in control and they had to hold off kind of a late charge, but like they they were able to do that. And like I just I I'm with you. I want to love them, and on paper I should way more because they're like Georgia Tech in the sense that they have a lot of good players on this roster and a lot of experienced ones too, and they should not be like this. Yeah, <laughs> they just should. I, I think the other, the other thing with them is. Keats doesn't know what to do right now. Um, he can't play exactly the way he wants to because they are really thin and they've been more thin than yeah. usual because of injuries during conference play. And I mean, his style was the, the first couple of years and when he was at uh, UNC Wilmington, get up and down, 40 minutes, bunch of, and it would seem to fit with a guy like Markel Johnson running the show and they just haven't been able to play that way. And when it's been option B, option C, I don't think he's really known where to go with, with all this. And I feel like it's just kind of, it's not just a season deal. It's it's sort of the Kevin Keats era in a state of flux. I'm not sure he knows which direction to take this. Um, the whole overall just philosophy with the program. And yeah. it, it's like he hasn't been able to commit to one style of play. And as a result, the players have never really been able to find a groove this season. Yeah, you see that with you saw that some with Shaka at Texas totally. too. I mean, it's just some it's just something where yeah, and I think there is a learning curve, and I do see Keats, you know, making progress along it in terms of going from being a CAA head coach to being an ACC head coach, and um, I, I think a lot of the players on this team have gotten better, and that's perhaps what makes this like even more maddening is because they have made progress, and it, it, the one exception, I guess, is Markel Johnson, but that feels like such a mental thing because he does give you glimpses of like the Markel that he used to be, and then he just goes and does something that you're like, what are you doing, dude? Like, mm-hmm. why are you taking that shot, or why are you, you know, and like C.J. Bryce is so much better. Devin Daniels is better. Jericho Helms, C.J. Funderburg, they've all made progress, and those are all Keats guys, and they don't have a choice but to play Markel Johnson, you know? Um, I know he got benched. He got benched as well, Um in the game uh, against Boston college, but he ended up coming in and playing well at times, but like that's, was it Boston college or Miami? No, it was Miami. He got benched for that game um, for like the starting for like the starting lineup or whatever it was. It was one of those games recently he got benched and he responded pretty well in that game. It was Miami. Yeah. Cause he had 19, but he's had 12 in the two games since, and he's had 10 yeah. turnovers like that. That can't happen. And you know, it's they can't win with him playing like that and they don't really have an alternative Braxton Beverly is barely out there right now with a bad back um, and can't even sit on the bench because his back will tighten up to where he can't play like and I know and I know state fans I understand I know he's a defensive liability I also have eyeballs when it comes to that but like 
the reason Keith hypes him up so much is because he does go out there and kind of bust his butt and you know he's trying like i'm a defensive liability too but i would play hard (laughs) (laughs) you know like i I couldn't guard ryan mcmahon either although to be fair i probably wouldn't help i'm just just throwing that catch and shoot um but i I think like you've got one job defensively pretty much like like markel johnson to me is the guy that if you're an objective if you have no rooting interest with nc state if you're just an ACC, acc fan watching the wolfpack play you love Markel Johnson, but when he's your guy, he drives you crazy um, because he's yeah. always going to go for the pass that has a 15% chance of success, which if I'm tuning in to watch a, a college basketball game on Sunday afternoon, I love that. Like I want that guy on the floor. He's going to keep me entertained because he may have 15 turnovers. He may have 15 assists, but if you're a fan of that guy and you see all the ability and you see his inability to just avoid the risky situation, it drives you nuts. And everybody who's been a fan of a team has that one player who like, you know, you, you meet a buddy who's like, man, I really love watching Markel Johnson play. And you're like, yeah, because you don't have a rooting interest here. You don't care if they win, we win or lose. He drives all of us absolutely nuts. But I love him. I, I, I love watching him. I love I love the state roster. Like, they're just, they're fun to watch. And it's frustrating that they aren't more exciting and better than they are right now. Yeah, Devin Daniels is one of those guys that's become a fan favorite. And I get it because he's a guy that he's very like a much like a no, no, yes player. Where you're like, oh, don't, oh, that worked. Yeah. Okay, good. He's um, also sort of like the, but, he, he's like the Louisville Dwayne Sutton too, where Jordan Warren maybe drives you crazy yes. with the effort. And it looks even worse when you juxtapose it with what Dwayne Sutton's doing, uh, like in the in the trenches, getting being a 6'5 dude who's getting you 15 rebounds. I think that's Devin Daniels for, for NC State. Yes, and they both are a little trolly, oh, which yeah. I like. You know, they both kind of get under the skin of opponents uh, a little bit. And Devin is like that. And I love the way CJ Bryce has been playing. And it just I I hate that it's going this way for them. And they're already convinced that they're going to lose uh, to North Carolina. (laughs) And I I went on I've I went on several platforms and guaranteed that they would not get swept by this North Carolina team. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Thankfully, I didn't like, put anything on it. Like I didn't, I didn't go all Mark Ennis on it. And, <laughs> uh, guarantee I'd eat some live animal or anything, because I did know that like, like Roy loves nothing more than beating NC State. He just, it's his lifeblood. Oh um, God, I, I love that you're like I didn't put anything on it besides my reputation, which you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. just throw it out there. That's the way I am. <laughs> But like I did that because that's how strongly I believed in the state team and like their roster and the progress that it seemed like that they were making. And I'm just, you know, I'm just more disappointed parent Um, because like they are not as like North Carolina is way worse than them. Sorry, but it's true. Like they are. Well, maybe not, but they're definitely worse. I I just love comparing the psyches of the teams that are in the middle of the conference right now. Like Virginia... And that's what it is, oh, yeah. right? Like, it's just like... Virginia fans are like, I mean, you know, we've got this rolling. Like, we're going to be good. We're really hitting our stride. We could actually win a couple games in the tournament. Notre Dame fans are like, look out for us. If you just give us a chance, we're going to make that run. NC State fans are like, can we fast forward to May? Get the... Like, I'm already done with this. Get this over with. We know how this story ends. There's zero confidence right now. Yeah, well, it's mostly about North Carolina That's too. It. Like they, they, they're even like, "Hey, we'll probably beat Duke and lose to North Carolina <laughs> because, of course, we will." Um, yeah, I'm curious to see how that Duke game plays out. Honestly, Duke, I know they're on what like a six game win streak now. I think it is sounds yeah, right. Six or yeah, six games, and um, they obviously the way they played against Notre Dame was really, really good, and 
you know, the win over Florida State was, you know, impressive in its own way. But I didn't think, no, there are seven games now, actually, seven game win streak. I, Notre Dame was, in my opinion, their best game they'd played in a while, though. Um, because they kind of looked bad at Boston College. They obviously probably should have lost that UNC game. And they looked a little rough against FSU. And then they, you know, get back to normal against Notre Dame and just blew them out at home. And so that's that's not the best sign for NC State, probably. Yeah. Going into this, and one. to show you how consistently wrong I am about everything this season, I thought Notre Dame was a real live shot in that game on Saturday because they've been playing pretty well. Like you said, Duke had been stumbling; they were coming off a, a big emotional weird win over Florida State, and I was just kind of thinking like Notre Dame seems to always play Duke relatively well. Like Mike Bray had the whole thing with Coach K a few years ago that's fizzled out because they've been so bad the last two seasons. But I really thought they had a shot, and then you look up and you're like, oh, they're down by fifty with with ten minutes to go in the first half, and that was kind of that. I mean, Duke, the, the weird thing about them is they're like, they could realistically not play a tournament team until they get to the ACC tournament because I know they still have to play Virginia. We yeah. both think they're going to be a tournament team, but they're very much on the bubble. NC State twice, Virginia, Wake Forest, and then UNC. Like, there's not a quad one win for them uh, besides at Virginia left on their regular season schedule. So, th- like, that could be a, a shifting narrative is Duke's on this huge winning streak, but have they really been tested? And people will talk about that after Selection Sunday, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, no, you're right. But, I mean, at the end of the day, all they need to do is make sure they get to Greensboro, um, mostly for my purposes, so that I don't <laughs> have to worry about the travel budget. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> pretty much. But yeah, I mean, look, Garrison Brooks went off against NC State. They probably just need to feed Vernon Carey a bunch and hope for the best in this one. Um, that seen, that tends to be a pretty good formula. It's, I don't know. No, it seems to be wrong. Uh, as good as DJ Funderburk is on offense, he is not the best defender. And big men against NC State have gone pretty nuts all season long. So this definitely feels like a Vernon Carey game. Like This feels like... Because he's kind of fell off of, of that first team All American conversation. And I think a lot of it has to do with Luca Garza being so good for Iowa and being a big man. Jalen Smith for Maryland really emerging as a big man. I think this could be that game where Vernon Carey goes for like 35 and 12, and everybody is reminded how good he is. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. I'm sure, though, that they're going to really try to emphasize like, all right, we're going to make somebody, we're going to make their shooters beat us. And, you know, we're not going to let Vernon Carey just go to town but you know best laid plans and all. <laughs> oh miami at virginia tech no, i don't know no. we don't no, need to just we don't no. need to. Oh. Ugh, god although i will say so this is so random but i love chris likes i don't know if you're on this chris like bandwagon with of course me. i love him so much um and i was sad for him that by the way makes total sense that they've won two in a row by like 30 points right <laughs> sure miami miami has like I mean, I know it's Boston College and Wake, but like, wh- what are we doing? Um, they, uh, Chris Likes was on Packer and Durham today on the ACC Network, and they had him going on at 7.30 a.m. And I was like, man, hasn't this guy been through enough? You're going to make him get up at like 7 a.m. to go on ACC Network? Like, let let this little dude sleep. Like, he's already carrying everybody. Chris Likes does uh, not strike me as a morning person either. Like, like when I see... No. He gets... As much fun as he is to watch, and I love Chris Likes, when things go wrong, he is not good about hiding his frustration. Like you, he's got, He has yeah. this look on his face like, how much longer do I have to carry you guys to the finish line? Like, like Can I get a little bit of help? Like He'll make a big three to tie a game with 20, 10 seconds left, and instead of like getting everybody pumped up, he'll like 
keel over in frustration and just pure exhaustion. He's like, I've been playing 40 minutes a game for what feels like the last 18 years of my life. Somebody please just end this misery. And he's got a full more year of it. But Miami, kind of like we were talking about with Georgia Tech, they've got three or four really good, high-quality ACC players. They just have zero depth. Uh, And I I can see why they start every game hot because if it were just 20 minutes, I feel like this would be a team that has seven or eight conference wins. Yeah, for sure. And oddly enough, that's like the literally the only ACC team that Carolina's blown out. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, it's like I think it's only Carolina's second double. No, did they beat State by double digits? It it wasn't really a double digit feeling game, but they might have. Yeah, that's just. I mean, uh, I don't know. But my, to be fair, in that game, Miami was without likes and McGusty, and they're not going to beat anybody without no, those guys. Not even close. So, um. Yeah. That that about wraps up the rest of the week's games. Um, I wanted to wait until after Big Monday because I was like, who knows what Carolina's going to do? And they did not disappoint. They did what we expected them to do at this point. They in the in the words of uh, Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were, and that'll probably continue to play out that way. So. I just want to know how much deeper it can go because at this point, I don't think I can be surprised. But if it was like a, you know, if they lose to Duke in the regular season finale on, I don't know, like like a left-handed, underhand, full-court shot from Trey Jones, like, surely it can't get worse than that. Like, I, I just keep waiting. Like, how else are they going to, how are they going to be able to dig deeper? Because every time that they feel like they've struck solid ground and that they have officially hit rock bottom, there's another layer down there. And I just, at this point, I have a just macabre fascination with what possibly could happen to North Carolina next. I, they're, they're must watch TV. Yes. I, that, what was that Netflix documentary that came out like last year where like the guy, like, ki- like this girl got like kidnapped and like her family was complicit oh, or whatever yeah. it was. And, it, and there's the dad like shrugging after he tells her, I'm not going to say what the story was that he told of about what he yeah. did with the guy who kidnapped his daughter, but he gives like that shrug and it became like a meme. I really want Roy to just come out and like do that exact shrug. <laughs> I said that after the Virginia game, like, and like the half smile, like what, what do you want? Like I, I just do the shrug and walk like, out. I'm not, I'm not happy like, about this either. Yeah. Like what, what do you want me to say? I'm embarrassed, but you know, it, I can't hide from it. Right. Like what else can you possibly ask oh, me? That's perfect. You know, it's just, it's, it's pretty unreal. Um, uh, you know, I'm glad Armando Baycott said what he said though, because like, a, he was being honest, and B, like we can all see it, you know. So they could deny it all they want and be like, "Oh, we have tons of confidence," but like we know that they don't. Yeah, I mean, that, that, so. it's, it's it is sad because if you've been a fan of a team long enough in any sport, you've at least had one team that has this, where it just gets so deeply entrenched in your DNA that you know what's going to happen five or six moves before it actually happens, and that's North Carolina right now. Like the second a lead gets cut from fifteen to eight they're all ready to just lie down. And they don't know how exactly it's going to happen, but they know it's going to happen, which makes it 10 times worse. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I expect them to play well at Louisville and lose again on a close, probably a relatively close game. I hope game. you're right. I, f- I feel bad um, about saying all this stuff right before their next game is against UFL. Like this, is, <laughs> and this feels like some sort of curse. I don't know what's happening here. Yeah, I know. And the weird thing is they do have some pieces on that team playing way better. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't matter. Um, and P.S. For those of you out there that are like, why are people fascinated with this UNC team? Lots of teams lose close games. Like, okay, yes, you're right. And your team probably has a more painful history, but that's also part of the point. Like, North Carolina doesn't do this. 
Yeah, it's <laughs> it, they've played in two of the last four national title games. They were a top right. five team at one point this season. It's North Carolina. I mean, that's just, and they're going to be fine. Like they have what four McDonald's All Americans coming in. Yeah, they're 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 good. It's not like 2013-14 where, you know, they had NCAA stuff hanging over too and they weren't recruiting very well and you were sort of wondering, hmm, where are they going from here? Like, you know that they're going in a good direction. Yeah. You here. know, bring those guys in, plug in a couple of big South grad transfers that'll average three points a game and, and you're good to go. <laughs> yes, it's worked out great <laughs> the time they tried it this year. All right, Mike. Well, remind everybody where they can find yeah, you. You can follow me on Twitter at Card Chronicle. The website's cardchronicle.com for Louisville. And check out the general college basketball stuff on SBNation.com. And uh, check out Mike for sad cardinal memes Absolutely. as well. All right. I'll be back later this week, y'all. Bye. Thank you.